What's up, people? Another episode of Justice Sports. I'm okay Davis here with you. And we are going to talk mostly NBA. My thoughts after several game ones over the weekend. Watch some game twos yesterday. And I just, wow, wow. It's been great so far. Maybe not every game, but just the highlights. And the teams that you want to see play well are playing well, so I'll get into that. Plus, I can't help but get into the Washington football team, the commanders who are, I mean, they are just, at some point, the NFL is going to have to come down on Daniel Snyder and be like, you got to sell a team, my man. It's time you got to go because every week it's something else, something else every week, every week. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. I mean, what? I mean, what else is there to talk? I mean, that's to me. That's that's everything. 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 Okay, I'll talk about baseball too. I'll talk about baseball too. But first. I'm going to start with the NBA. And I'll work my way backwards. I'll start with the most recent games. Yesterday. Um, it was... It was exciting to watch. It was really exciting to watch the Splash Brothers, the pool party, the the epic collapse of the Denver Nuggets. I mean, I'm just going to start there. Nuggets are done. D-O-N-E. On TNT, they might as well go on ahead and put the gone fishing for the Nuggets. Just go on ahead and start it now because they're over. It's over. They're down 2-0. They're playing the gold-blooded champions in Golden State who are not only amazing on the offensive end, but they are underrated defensively. They are really, really good on defense. And it starts with Draymond Green, but you just see the active hands. I mean, before Clay got hurt, which he was hurt for two years, he was one of the top defensive players. You've got young players so energized. They're jumping all over the place. Jordan Poole getting steals on one end. Wide open threes on the other end. Beautiful behind the back passes. Chef Curry is like a sixth man off the bench right now. They're just really good. And 
I mean, I said, if it wasn't for injuries, that's the team I'd be scared of. Even more so than Golden State. But I think it's going to be a really, really good matchup when those two teams play. But let's not go ahead of, get ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about the other side. The other side of the ball. The other team. Not only is Denver done, mostly, to be fair, it is sad that they don't have Jamal Murray, that if he was on the court, I know what we saw was really bubble and then kind of the next season. But between him and Michael Porter Jr. not playing, that that is a different Denver team. It is. But when you're watching them and then in that third quarter, DeMarcus Cousins and, and Will Barton are yelling. DeMarcus Cousins got ejected in game one. So you know that bench is combustible. That team is combustible. Nikola Jokic does not know how to keep his cool. He tries. But, I mean, come on. I know you remember that elimination game when he got it got a bit out of control. And then at the end of the game, the reigning MVP gets ejected again. Frustration is just boiling. And I don't care what they said in postgame about, oh, the, the way you say this to a player. And even on TNT, they were saying sometimes it galvanized a team together. And that made me think of the Miami Heat when they had their dust up. But that was during the regular season. They had about 10 games to work it out. Nuggets don't have a chance. They don't have the time to try to work it out. And as uh, Morris was saying, I think it was Morris after the game in the post game, was like, yeah, we, we can't be doing that now. And you're right, you can't. It's almost too late. Because this is going to fester for a couple of games. The Heat were struggling when they had their dust up. And it took some games before they got it together. You don't have some games when you're playing the Warriors. It is not looking good for Denver. And yeah, you could say, oh, well, it's only two games and they got to go back to Denver. You can. But the problem is, I mean, Portland took Denver to, I think it was game seven last year. Maybe it was game six. And Portland didn't have nearly the talent as Golden State. They're done. Stick a fork in them. And, uh, I mean, it's not like Denver had a chance. I mean, you knew that it really wasn't going to be a series. Golden State was the favorite, as expected. As expected. Man, I can't wait to... I am excited to see Otto Porter, Jeff Green, and Austin Rivers... Former Washington Wizards competing in the playoffs. I love it. Uh, if Otto Porter can get a ring, good for him. Good for him. Man, I can't wait to see that Phoenix-Golden State game. The other game that I was... The Jazz, they had a chance. They had a chance... to 
not only go up 2-0 on Dallas, but Dallas playing without their best player in Luka Doncic, there is no way they should have lost to Dallas. Now, Jalen Brunson, who I think should hit the free agent market because I think he is that good and will be very valuable to someone else, whereas as long as he stays on Dallas, he may not like being the second fiddle, but you'll never be like, it won't be a one-two punch with you and Luka. I just don't see it that way, but okay, whatever. The Jazz had a chance to pull it out. Now, I don't know what's up with Rudy Gobert. Only getting five field goal attempts? Uh, Maybe. But the plus minus is bad for Utah. Minus 19, Bogdanovich. Royce O'Neal, minus 16. Rudy Gobert, minus 10. Donovan Mitchell, minus 14. Daniel House plus 17. Now, for real, it's just the fact that Dallas came out with an excellent game plan. Jason Kidd put it together, and Jalen Brunson had a magical game. That's what Dallas is going to need when you don't have Luka Doncic, and you don't have Tim Hardaway Jr. as well. But in my mind, the Utah Jazz blew a great opportunity. They really did. And I still say I think they missed Joe Ingles, another guy who could fill it up if you needed him to. Yeah, Daniel House is good, but, you know, imagine if you just had a little bit more. Juancho, Hernan Gomez, okay. But I I don't know. I kind of like Joe Ingles, too. A sharpshooter. Daniel House is not Joe Ingles. But it's it to me, I feel like this is the kind of game where you needed another shooter. And they couldn't do it. And now that series is tied 1-1. Don't let Luka Doncic get healthy. Now, I know they're going to Utah. And technically, that means Utah already has home court advantage. They go back home, they win two, they're up 3-1, Luka still can't play, or at least he's not 100%. All right, I'll give you that. But this was the game that they were supposed to say, yeah, we got this. And show the rest of the NBA that we belong in that same conversation. You can't lose this game. Uh Uh-uh, you can't lose that. You cannot. And they did. And that series is tied 1-1. I still think it's up in the air, but at least it's going to Utah. You know, maybe got a little something there. That's a possibility. That's a possibility. Now, I actually didn't bring this up. Series spread? We'll talk about that with some of the games that are coming up tonight and tomorrow. But Toronto, Philly. I thought Toronto was a better team. 
But I got to say, you know, they are playing without Scotty Barnes, who twisted his ankle in game one. But not when you're down 30. They fought to come back, but you're still down 30. So I don't know if he would have made that big of a difference. Uh, maybe part of it is realistically their bench is too thin. No one scares me on the bench. I mean, remember, I mean, it kind of used to be Fred Van Vliet. You know, I know teams don't necessarily go deep into the bench. Chris Boucher, 17 points off the bench. But realistically, Gary Trent can't go 0 for 3. Precious. You need more out of him. I mean, game one, what I was thinking about game one, and I tweeted out about it, that this was the game Toronto had to show. No, 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 no. We're legit. And they did the complete opposite. Tyrese Maxey, I will say that in my mind, that 38 points wasn't so much an aberration, but it was like that was special. And I attributed the blowout win in game one a little bit to that. But then in game two, you had Embiid explode for 31. Tobias Harris, come on. Y'all are getting on him a little bit too much. He was 7 of 11, scored 20 points. All right? As much as we're like, oh, I mean, people make fun of, Tobias Harris, yo, he's the highest paid player on the team. He's the fourth option. Is that his fault he's the fourth option? Is that his fault? Danny Green gets 12 shots, one more than him. How about the fact that James Harden only took nine shots? Who knows what's going on with him? Maybe he's coasting a little bit. Doesn't matter. Philly's up 2-0. Now they go back to Toronto. Maybe that's different. In this series, I want to see what Toronto does at home. The fact that they got blown out in two games is like, man, that's not that's not looking good. That's not good for them. Especially when you think that it's not like the team, some of the players, I mean, Danny Green, don't let him come alive. Shooting 33%, that won't happen often. Tobias Harris, almost 64%. Tyrese Maxey, almost 73%. 8 of 11, 3 of 6 from 3. Man, the starters, all scoring in double figures. Two of the starters, one scored zero points, the other one scored seven for Toronto. That's not good. Gary Trent went out. He only played nine minutes and 44 seconds. So I should say that. My apologies. I, I In my head, wasn't thinking about the injury for a minute. But, 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 they got to do better. Now, one thing that could make a difference, maybe, maybe for Toronto, one last thing that I want to bring up. is Matisse Thibel not playing in Toronto. We're going to have to keep an eye on that, right? 
He decided not to get the second shot. So he's not unvaccinated, but he can't play in Toronto. And you're going to miss that defense. So that could turn the series. That could end up being the thing where it's 2-2 going into game five, maybe. Maybe. But the Sixers have enough firepower that I think they may be able to overcome that. They just, yeah, they might. They might. Probably do. Then again, you know, you don't know if you're going to get Scotty Barnes for game three. So maybe being in Canada, you know, it'll make a difference. And without Matisse Thibel, it'll make a difference on the Sixers' side. But maybe it evens out and the Sixers can go up 3-0. All right, looking at the games that are going to be playing tonight... Atlanta, Miami is up first. Miami looks good. They looked good. I don't, you could say, you could say, well, maybe it was Atlanta having already played two games. They were, you know, I could see you saying they were a little tired. They'll get it together in the next game. But real, I mean, Trey Young was one of 12, so you know, and you know Miami's defense will be on point. Ice Trey is going to be melting every game against the Miami Heat. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to get swept, but I could see 4-1. I mean, it's minus one. 40, the series spread is two and a half games. Miami Heat are favored at minus 750. So plus 500, not bad odds. If you if if you want, you think the Hawks can make a comeback, but I doubt it. I just doubt it. I don't see it. Tyler Hero didn't even play that well. Three of 11, six points. And I know I mentioned that. Trey Young didn't play well either. So good at Kevin Herter. He didn't play well. Danilo Gallinari, as they would say on NBA on TNT. I love that show. He had 17. I just we'll see what happens in game two. I don't think Atlanta's got a shot. I mean, I think maybe you could say 4-1. I think Miami is deeper. They've got more playoff experience. And realistically, in my mind, Atlanta's got Trey Young, and you hope the rest of the team plays well. It's good John Collins is maybe coming back. He could be a difference maker. That could be good. But I feel like you've got Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robertson, Robinson, excuse me. Omer, you're seven at times, but I know he didn't really play, but sometimes it seems like, you know, Coach Spolstra goes back and forth between Duncan and Omer, whoever's hot. And then you got the championship experience in the point guard and Kyle Lowry. 
I'm going to call him a poor man's Chris Paul. It's not fair to say, but I feel like he's a type of point guard that, yeah, you could easily be like, oh, whatever. But he'll get you a point when, he need, when you need a bucket. He'll get you that assist. He'll get the team going. I think my, I don't know. The, what I saw in game one, I was like, nah. Uh, I just don't see it. One fifteen to ninety one. Woo, that was tough. A little bit of a blow out. Little bit, little bit, little bit. Memphis, Minnesota. This is going to be a fun, fun series. I was surprised. I was surprised that Minnesota won game one, and they won it handily. Memphis is actually the favorite to win the series at minus 125. The Timberwolves are at plus 105. The thing for me is, for all of the talk about how good Memphis is and how young they are, Pound for pound, roster spot for roster spot. I mean, mm, I don't know. And I don't think you know either after game one. Anthony Edwards or Dylan Brooks? Little bit of a toss-up, but I bet if you had to pick one, you'd pick Anthony Edwards. Jaron Jackson Jr., or Jared Vanderbilt. Okay, I know that you take Jared Vanderbilt. Carl Anthony Towns or Steven Anderson? Steven Adams. As much as I love Steven Adams, let's go pit. You take Cat. Patrick Beverly or Desmond Bain? You take Desmond Bain. D'Angelo Russell or Ja Morant? You would take Ja. But I think, I think it's closer than you think. In Minnesota's like, hold up. We are no slouch. Don't. You better give us some credit. If you think the Timberwolves can win the series, you can get them at minus one and a half games at plus 160. Grizzlies at plus minus 200, excuse me. I expect Memphis to win game two, make whatever adjustments they need. It's a possibility. But you're going to need more from your bench. You're going to need a little bit more from your bench. And I say that based on the fact that Jaden McDaniels and Malik Beasley had 15 and 23 points respectively off the bench for Minnesota. And Memphis's bench was almost non-existent. Brandon Clark had 13 points. But, I mean, he shot six of seven. That's, that's very good. But Minnesota, you know they're playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And they have... Argue well, they have the second best player. If you say John Morant's number one, Cat's number two, Anthony Edwards could be number three. 
This is a series I'm really, really, really enjoying a lot. And it's a shame it's on NBA TV because I feel like Miami-Atlanta is not going to be a very competitive series. It's just not. Another series that I would say I don't expect it to be that competitive. The final score, Phoenix won 110-99. But, you know, considering the fact that Phoenix came out on fire in New Orleans Pelicans chipped away at the lead. They got it to single digits before Phoenix pulled away again. I expect Phoenix to win this series. Maybe, probably 4-1. I could see a sweep too. I mean, if there was any crazy chance that you get Zion Williamson back, maybe... That could change it a little bit, but realistically not. He's not in shape. He can't play. But Chris Paul was able to turn it on whenever he wants to turn it on. Actually, the bench, the Phoenix bench was almost, I wouldn't say, I guess non-existent. They had almost the same amount of points as Memphis Grizzlies. But when you got Chris Paul and Dever Booker and DeAndre Ayton, I mean, realistically, you could say those are the three best players before you even go to C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram. I mean, you can't say Chris Paul is a toss-up. I would say if you were starting a team, I mean... Come on, you're telling me you wouldn't take Aiton, Booker, and Paul before you take C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram? I don't know. I think you would. Memphis is not in as much trouble as I think the New Orleans Pelicans is. Or are, excuse me. I think they are, they're done. They're done. Now, the other series that is worth talking about, and it is probably the, uh, well, you know, it's scratch. Time out, time out. Let me say this first. Let me go to Bucks Bold before I talk Celtics Nets. I was surprised at how well the Bulls played in game one. Now, maybe, maybe it was just okay. You know, it took a little bit for Giannis and the team to get going. That's a possibility, but I will admit that I was surprised. I thought the Bulls were going to get swept, and they still could. They ended up losing the game. 
Uh, Bulls didn't have a great game. Zach Levine, 18. Nikola Vucevic led the team with 24. DeMar DeRozan with 18. They had a chance to win the game, and they couldn't do it. Kobe White played well off the bench, too. Giannis, you know, was Giannis. Only had 27 points. Well, look how I'm talking about only. But they're just such a well-oiled machine, defending champs. You know, even if it go when it goes back to Chicago, I just still think it's gonna be it's gonna be an easy win for the Bucks to win this series. I do. Well, I don't. You know, I mean, look, you can't even take the odds. It's minus three thousand for the Bucks, plus twelve hundred for the Bulls. I mean, I think if you if you're a Bulls fan, maybe you'd be like, fine, I'll take that twelve hundred. We'll see. I mean, if you got money to throw away, I just don't see them winning. And they got Alex Caruso back. I hope Zach Levine's healthy, but it's not like they could say, oh well, they're missing a player or two. No, the defending champs are just really great. They got Brooke Lopez back, so they're bigs. They're killing it. And they got former wizard Bobby Portis. I love mentioning former wizards. I mean, the Bulls have Troy Brown Jr., who never got a shot in Washington. Not really. But, I mean, I'm kind of watching that series. I mean, it was a closer game, 93-86. But realistically, it's just like, nah, that's not much of a series. But... And I got the pick wrong. I took the Nets in game one at minus four. Excuse me. I took the Celtics in game one at minus four. I should have taken the Nets at plus four. But now after game one, I'm like, man, every game's going to be close. I think every game's going to end up being close. Jason Tatum, not just with a buzzer beater. Marcus Smart's play to, to pump fake on the three, penetrate almost near the key dish to Jason Tatum who did the pirouette spin for the layup over Kyrie Irving was just beautiful it was amazing to watch because you know in that moment you know you think Marcus Smart's trying to watch the clock he's like how much time do I have can I pass it should I shoot it Jason Tatum, I mean, I'm giving it to him. Was he going to do a turnaround jumper? But no, the way he caught the ball quickly and spun around, I mean, those are teammates that know each other. And I hope that the entire team could relish in that win. And it wasn't like something that even I've talked about where it's like Jalen Brown, like, man, I wish I took the last shot. Whatever. Jason Tatum was amazing. Marcus Smart was amazing. Defensive player of the year. I didn't really see that coming. I didn't. Now, Kyrie Irving played out of his mind. 39 points and flipping off the birds to the fans, throwing up his hands, getting mad. The sad thing is, Kyrie, you're letting the fans get in your head. You did that to yourself. You left Boston. 
You are unvaccinated. You've made comments about the Boston Celtics fans. You need to chill. You've already cost your team, which I still can't understand how Kevin Durant defended this dude to no end when obviously he chose himself over the over the team. You wouldn't be in this predicament of not having home court advantage. Well, maybe you wouldn't have been if you could have played the whole season. Now, I know Kevin Durant, oh, well, I got hurt. That played a role too. Yeah, but you, you kind of, you know, glossed over the fact that arguably the best second best player on the court after you Kevin Durant cost your team James Harden and you had to play in the play in tournament now because you have the two best players on the court in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving I do think the Nets have a shot to win this series I do and that will be devastating for the Celtics because you feel like they got a bum deal because they have to play really a team that should be the number one seed in the first round. But Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are still growing. They're trying to learn to be champions. Although Kyrie Irving's got one championship. And really, I know everybody's going to say, well, it was really LeBron James. Kevin Durant, they're going to sell well. It was really because he was on Golden State Warriors. I get that. They both need to win one together to show that those championships weren't necessarily a fluke. But this is going to be, this. I feel like this whole series is going to be a pick em. Pick em. The Celtics are at minus 220 to win it. The Brooklyn Nets are at plus 180. Shoot. I'd take those Brooklyn Nets. Yes, I would. I'll buy that for a dollar. Because if they win the next game, those odds are going to shift. I mean, it's only a dollar to win a dollar eighty. Okay. It's not like it's that big of a deal, but. I think the Nets can do it. And I think the reality is Boston knows that too. Now, what I would say for the fans, maybe the Celtics fans should be quiet because you don't want to give Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving any more of a reason to come out and destroy the Celtics on the court. And that's what, after the game, listening to the NBA on TNT guys talked about. These guys can come out and just, Shaq said, look, that's what you do. Because they talked a lot about, or a little bit about, you know, Kyrie was, you know, his post-game press conference talking about the fans, and he flipped them the bird behind his head, which I imagine that he may get a fine soon. Then he flipped another bird to another fan running up the court. Not that the fines matter to him because he's making millions. It's like 10 cents on the dollar. Maybe even less than that for him for the 50000 or 25000 he's going to get fined. Probably much less than 10 cents on the dollar. Much less. I don't even know why I said that. Probably not even a cent on the dollar. Of course it isn't. It's, uh, but I'm not doing the math. I'll leave that for someone else listening to this. 
Kyrie Irving talking about the the dark side. Come on. Flipping the bird, that's your dark side. Returning fans' energy. I'll give it to you. You know, I can't imagine being on the court dealing with that. But we all got a dark side. And I prefer to be a Jedi Knight. I know, ridiculous. Always think of Star Wars. But dark side, come on, give me a break. But those two alone can win this series. Don't wake a sleeping giant. If you get Seth Curry going, Patty Mills going, shoot, Goran Dragic, Nick Claxton, they've got a decent bench. They've got a decent bench. And Celtics don't. Celtics just don't. Yeah, they get Robin Williams the third. By the way, don't let the Nets get Ben Simmons as well. And he's better on defense. I know I talked about the Brooklyn Nets not having defense, not being good on that end of the court. They get Ben Simmons back, maybe. Maybe they're better. That's an upgrade. That is a real, real upgrade. And... I don't know how you can upgrade on game one, but I imagine tonight game two's gonna be fantastic. The NBA is fantastic. And I'm enjoying every minute of it. Now, what I'm enjoying every minute of, but in a bad way, is the Washington Commanders. And I'll get into that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Just for Sport with Jim Okay. All right, so the Washington Commanders have been accused of hiding revenue from the NFL. Congress said that the team has been stealing season ticket deposits. I mean, come on. You're ripping the owners. You're ripping off the fans. In a letter to the Federal Trade Commission, which was obtained obtained by the Washington Post, said, quote, we are writing to share evidence of concerning business practices by the Washington commanders uncovered during the committee's ongoing investigation into workplace misconduct at the team. Evidence obtained by the committee, including emails, documents, and statements from former employees, indicate senior executives and the team's owner, Daniel Snyder, may have engaged in a troubling, long-running, and potentially unlawful pattern of financial conduct that victimized thousands of team fans and the National Football League. Now, granted, most of the evidence comes from this Jason Friedman, the commander's former vice president of sales and customer service, who testified in front of the committee. Okay, I'll give you that. Maybe you're going to be like, well, that's just one, you know, gruntled employee. But all you got to do is think about this. I'm sure that Jason Friedman 
wants to work again. So what reason does he have to lie about this? Because he could very well be killing his career. Destroying any chance of doing what he loves, which is maybe kind of loves, working for an NFL team. To think that Daniel Snyder and Friedman, who told the committee that the security deposits for seat leases was 25% of the full cost of the seats for a year and that they were supposed to get refunded. In that team executives were telling employees to put up roadblocks and make it difficult for customers to get their security deposits back so the team could keep the money. They said the revenue gain from that practice was called juice. And that they misclassified the juice intentionally. So that it would look like it came from non-NFL games, college football, concerts, and the like. Come on! Now we're talking about the team keeping money from other NFL owners what more do you need? What else can Daniel Snyder be in trouble for? The team allegedly pocketed about $5 million that should have gone into the NFL's revenue sharing pool. And so, I mean, what else do you expect? I mean, this was the team's response on Monday from that they apparently gave to the Washington Post. The commanders wrote to the FTC because it said the Congressional Committee did not request any documents or interviews with the team about the allegations which the commanders called uncorroborated. Had the committee posed any of these questions or requests to the team, the team could and would easily and fully have rebuted each allegation as a complaint of conduct did not occur. Plain and simple, as demonstrated below, the commander said in a letter signed by Jordan Sieve, a lawyer at Reed Smith, an outside law firm hired by the team. They said... The commanders went on to say they did properly account for the revenue and that Freeman didn't know it because he's not an accountsman. But of course, Freeman said he's going to stand by his testimony. The commanders said they think that auditors would have caught it if there was a revenue discrepancy. So when I read that, I was like, ah, okay. I'll give you a chance 
I'll give you a chance. But I just feel like in the I'm like, why is Congress getting involved in this if there isn't where there's smoke, there's fire. You know what I mean? Okay, now I mean, of course, what you can do is you could move some more stuff around. You can present some different documents. You can say, oh, no, 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 that money's there. You know what you can't do? What you can't do is show that a season ticket holder got their revenue back, their refund, if they didn't. If all of a sudden season ticket holders like, wait a minute. I don't remember getting a refund. And the one says, I don't remember getting a refund. And another one says, I don't remember getting a refund. Then all of a sudden you're in hot water. So all I'm saying to the Washington commanders, be careful. That's a slippery slope. Because now you're going to have to answer to season ticket holders too. You're going to have to show that they got the revenue back, the refund back. Well, not revenue back, the refund back. Now everybody, if nothing else, they're going to have their hand out and be like, uh, was I supposed to get some money back? That's where I think it's going to be hard for Washington to make their case. If the fans start to say, yeah, I got my money back, I'm good, then I feel like, all right, Congress, you know, maybe you need to do a little more due diligence. But that's, that's who I want to hear from. Are the season ticket holders that are going to say to the world, well, I got my refund and another one. I got my refund and another one. I got my refund. If you start hearing more of that, okay. If you don't, Washington, be careful. Or who knows? Maybe Washington's going to jump for joy because they're like, hey, yay, Daniel Snyder's on the way out. We're getting Jeff Bezos or someone else to own the team. Maybe that's going to happen. And I feel for Daniel Snyder because I can only imagine for someone who grew up loving this team, being a fan of this team. You all know everybody listening to this. If you could buy your team, your favorite team when you were a kid, it would be a dream come true. And he screwed it all up. And I feel for him with that. I can't imagine what that feels like when all he wants to do is to be the owner. Bring a Super Bowl championship back to Washington. And now he can, I guess, amongst his, the other rich people, you know, maybe he's got a small circle of friends who kiss his butt and they're like, oh, yeah, we love you. <laughs> it's not like he can go out in public and enjoy himself. Everybody's going to be booing. Everybody's going to be booing. And that's sad. That's sad. And it makes me sad that that's how I'm going to end the show. I'll end it on a good note. Freddie Freeman. 
hit a home run in his first at-bat against the Braves, a team that should have kept him. The team that should have kept him. Actually, I almost forgot about my, my good note for myself. I went to the Nats-Pirates game. I have fun. Let me tell you something. If you go to a game at PNC Park, the view is amazing. It's amazing. I didn't get to see the Nats win, but I got to see Juan Soto hit a home run. Soto. That was good to see. I couldn't. I was hoping that Victor Robles would get a hit in the game just to be like, oh, I was there when he got his first hit. He's still over. But I got some really good seats on the 200 level, club level. Very nice. Food was good. It was quieter on the concourse, if you will. But it's on the club level, so it's carpeted, all of that stuff. When I worked for the Orioles, I used to love going on that club level. Not that the food was better there. Not that you feel like you're at a baseball game the same way as if you're sitting in the outfield. You know, but I thought I had picked the perfect place that there was a chance we can get a foul ball up in the 200 level. There was one that was probably six rows down, probably 13 seats over. But my whole family was there, my in-laws, my wife, the two little ones, not the big son. But it was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed. It's my first time going to a, a sporting event. It was outside. We felt good about that. You know, it rained all day. But then, you know, the clouds parted. The sun came out for a little bit. It was a beautiful sunset. I mean, I was watching two of the worst teams in Major League Baseball. Unfortunately, that part stinks. I mean, I guess because they're beating up on each other, it's not as bad. Sort of. The Orioles are in last place. The Nationals, the only beautiful thing is they're tied for last place with the Philadelphia Phillies, and I never, ever, ever want to see Bryce Harper win. I don't know. It's not fair. He took the money. He shouldn't have taken the money. He could have stayed in Washington. I mean, it doesn't mean they would have won the World Series, but I wish he had stayed in Washington. It's over $30, $13 million. Come on. Pirates are actually 500. How about that? It's early, though. It's early. So let's not get too out of control. All right? But it was fun. The park was almost empty. And because of the rain, the seats were wet. The playground was wet, so the little kids couldn't, uh, couldn't go and enjoy that. But the view was... I mean, the beauty of being back at the ballpark, you know, I mean, yes, PNC Park, the mention has a great view, the sky, but it was also seeing the joy on my son's faces. Like, it was the first time that at least both of them had been to PNC Park, and... They just got so excited, you know, three-year-olds like FedEx, FedEx, because I don't know why he's obsessed with the logo, but he's like, FedEx, look, Daddy, FedEx. 
My other son, who I've taken to some basketball and hockey games, he's almost seven. So he can take in the sport a little bit more. And, you know, I mean, it's probably the first time. I mean, because actually he's been to a couple of hockey games and he actually wanted to stay till the end. He wasn't like, Daddy, when can we go? The three-year-old, we got there an hour early before the game. Because we were like, oh, let's eat. We're on the club level. We'll sit down. We'll relax. Nice, comfortable seats. They had pool tables. It was a little quieter on the club level. After like a half hour, after my son had pizza, he's like, Daddy, can we go home? I want to play the Switch. I was like, no, you can't play the Switch. We're here to watch baseball. But then if you saw, you know, I did a couple, some Instagram stories. I posted some videos. You know, that was when the three-year-old went outside and he saw the big field. He was like, wow. He was like, the grass. You know, I I, I was just, I, I was just, it was just beautiful. And to see them experiencing sports for the first time was like, whoa, this is different. You know, I mean, we got there as the, as the players were warming up and, you know, they got to see a little bit of batting practice. Um, they weren't paying attention to home run, but they got all the food they wanted. They got the cotton candy. You know, it was a big group of us. It was like eight of us. You know, there was some scoring. There was a reason to cheer. My six-year-old was dancing. And, you know, when they do the little thing where you put, you know, an object under the hats and switch them around, whatever that's called. They really enjoyed it. Um, and I showed them the buses, just like when I worked for the Wizards. I explained to them, like, you know, hey, here are the team buses and the players from the visiting team. They're, they're, they brought here on buses along with the rest of the team staff and sometimes the media. Some of the media are on the bus. It was, it was cool. And... Uh, I definitely will will be going back to more sporting events. Hopefully, as things open up, I know the cases are ticking up a little bit, but you know, if not, it's outdoors, and you know, unfortunately, pirates don't really sell out. So you know, there was no one really right around us, but I also know what other seats I would get if I go back. That there definitely nobody was around us, or would be around us. But that's what I enjoyed most out of this was seeing the joy on their faces. Doing the seventh inning stretch. We left right after. It took forever to get to seventh inning stretch because we had a pitching change. Another thing that I'd like for them to get rid of. Like, it's okay to do the pitching change. But if you were just throwing on the mound in the bullpen, you don't need to throw again for another two minutes on the actual mound. I just feel like, what are we doing here? Then just let them come on the mound and pitch and warm up. I know, I know I don't understand baseball arms, et cetera, et cetera, but it's a big waste of time. And then they had to do, you know, there was a replay review because the Pirates contested a call. So that took another four minutes when we were just trying to get to the seventh inning stretch so the boys could go home. They were exhausted. But I think the adrenaline kept them going. And, and it was, it was, baseball may be the best sport to take the family. Because there isn't constant action where you feel like, wait a minute. You know, hockey, you're like, wait, what? 
What? What? What? You're constantly watching. But in baseball, you can take 10 minutes off where you're not really paying attention but keeping an eye out to see if maybe a pitcher is, you know, striking out two, three batters in a row. Or like when Juan Soto came up, I was like, oh, we're watching this. The rest of the team, I was like, whatever. Maybe I watched a little bit of Nelson Cruz. But you can just talk to family. You can go get some food. Took them down to the playground at PNC Park. There's so much more you could do at a baseball game. And that's what I think you can enjoy the most about it with a family. Because it isn't like basketball. What's going back for it, back for it, back for it, back for it. You really got to focus. Football isn't as back and forth. You know, I mean, realistically, you remember they talk about they're really only playing football for like 12 minutes. In the entirety of a game, baseball. I can't wait till it's a little warmer in the summer. Sit out there in the outfield or up in the upper deck and just relax. Just relax. It was great. I made one faux pas that it just went over my head. So have you ever been to PNC Park? You know, some of the buildings, actually, not just during the baseball season, but a lot of buildings downtown Pittsburgh, they'll put, like, different color lights up. So I saw blue and gold. And I was like, oh, those are pick colors. And I felt so bad because I I just blurted it out. And my wife was like, no, that's for Ukraine. I was like, oh, my gosh. I felt really bad. I don't like war. I'm sorry. I'm sad about everything that's happening over there in Ukraine and with the war with against Russia. And I hope it ends soon. Although realistically, mentally and physically, it will never end. You can't take it back. And it's really sad. It's really sad. But I felt bad that I thought it was the pit colors. I really did. But I had fun at the game. I think it was it was the boys' first baseball game. Maybe. Maybe the youngest one. It was his first game. But maybe I'm sure I took the other my other son to a Nats game in DC. I'm gonna go to a Nats and Orioles game in DC and Baltimore too. Hopefully I'll get to see Shohei Otani. Wanna see him pitch and bat. So it has to be the right game. I may have to go to Cleveland to see it. We'll see. But I was happy back to what I I was happy to be back outside watching baseball. I'm happy for Freddie Freeman to show his firm former team. Yeah. That's what you get. Well, not really. It's really not about that. But it's about the time for this podcast to end. I hope you enjoyed it. This is Just for Sport with Jamoke. To the window! Ciao for now. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the Just for Sport podcast. All you have to do is sign up now and use the promo code J for Sport, and Prize Picks will match your first deposit 
up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the Prize Picks app today.